Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your home and a special shout out to Alder Grove CLCC. Trust you're having a great Palm Sunday. Of course, next Sunday is Easter and we look forward to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. This week, we're in the series on signposts. And today I want to talk about the strange story of a lame man lying by a pool called Bethesda. Uh, Jesus uh, met him there, and, and Jesus was the most unusual recruiter that we've ever heard about, a, a recruiter for a king, the kingdom of God. And he was the embodiment of the kingdom. He was the main advertisement for the kingdom of God. He started the kingdom of God. Uh, but he acted in strange ways sometimes with people who, well, I'm sure he wanted to join him in the kingdom of God. Jesus never led anybody in a sinner's prayer. Uh, he never recommended a, a local church, or there were no churches then, or a synagogue. He never stuck to a program. It wasn't like he said, oh, that woman at the well that I met, I, I think I'm going back to the well today and, and try again to recruit someone for the kingdom of God. He never felt, made people feel like targets. He was completely himself. He met people where they were. He left people wondering. He didn't answer all their questions. But he asked the strangest questions, and he said the strangest things. Like in this story in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 5 to 15. Let me read the story, and then we'll talk about the uh, strange encounter that he has with this lame man. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who is healed, had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this strange story and, and how Jesus just was himself and and befriended people and walked amongst the crowds and even the sick and, 
and, and how you used him in such a powerful way to lead people into your kingdom. Uh, even in these strange circumstances that we find in our text today, I, I pray that we would learn um, a little bit more of who Jesus is and what Jesus is like so that we would follow him faithfully. In your name we pray, amen. So what did John want us to know about Jesus from this particular sign? Remember, in this series, we're looking at seven signs that Jesus includes in his gospel about Jesus. The other gospel writers uh, include way more miracles than John. John narrows it down to seven striking miracles or signs that tell us something, well, unique and important about Jesus. And, and I see these signs as advertisements for the kingdom of God advertisements for Jesus' lordship. And so John chooses to include this as one of the big seven. Uh, what was the sign intended to do for us? Was it a sign to warn us of danger? Like sometimes we see signs on, the, on a roadway that, that warn us of danger, that there might be a, um, a bridge out uh, up ahead and, and we should uh, take another route, or perhaps a sign that there's falling rocks on the road. Was it a sign to point us in a new direction, like a detour sign? You know, don't go that way, go this way. Was it an informational sign, like, welcome to Abbotsford, or welcome to Aldergrove? Uh, well, maybe it was all three kinds of signs. Now, Jesus says, I think, three strange things to the paralytic. Everything he says to him is strange. The first thing he says in verse 6 is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The guy has been sick for 38 years. And, and apparently he's been laying next to this pool. And there was a story that an angel would come down and stir the water. And while the water was stirred, people would jump in and, and get some kind of healing. Now, scholars think that it may have been therapeutic. It may have been like a hot uh, tub kind of a hot pool where people would receive some kind of comfort, some kind of relief from their aches and pains if they, into the, if they jumped into this water, which had a lot of mineral in it, etc., etc. Uh, but isn't this an obvious question? Do you want to get well? But you know what? Not everybody wants, not everybody wants what's good for them. Sometimes people lose hope. Sometimes people actually become comfortable with their disease. They, they, they begin to think of coping only and not really wanting to be completely well. And maybe that was this man's state of mind. Maybe he was laying there and, and he, was, he was focusing perhaps on the social dynamic that was happening. Like, like it, it appears that he's been coming here for 38 years waiting. And, and of course, there'd be a little group of friends that he'd be laying with. That This, this would be kind of like a little community uh, near the pool uh, where they, they've known each other. 38 years is a long time, especially when you think of the lifespan of people uh, back in those days. I don't know what it was, but it couldn't have been much over 50. And so this, this guy has spent the majority of his life uh, with a community of people who are uh, blind, lame, sick, paralytic, and uh, well, he, he's, he's, been, he's been laying there, and Jesus asked this question, do you really want to get well? And, and this is funny, because the word get well here really means made well or made whole. It's, it's a Greek word, hyges, which is used 14 times in the New Testament, and it's really referring to total wellness 
or righteousness. And, and it's, shown in, it's shown this way in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, where Jesus was being confronted because he was uh, hanging out with sinners. And, and Jesus says, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. And that word healthy is this word that means it's not, it's not the people who are well, who are whole, who are, who are complete that need help. It's those who really uh, recognize that they need my help. So the man's answer is, I have no one to take me down to the pool when the water is stirred. Um, that's a strange answer. Uh, he's been there 38 years. He has no family, uh, no siblings. He's made no friends. Uh, couldn't he got someone, some uh, loving, kind person who would help him into the stream? I mean, was it that difficult to get to the stream? But his answer sounds hopeless. It sounds helpless. It sounds resentful. This fellow's probably a legendary character, as, as anyone would be if they had been uh, hanging out in the same kinds of places, the same location for 38 years. Everybody probably knew him. Everybody probably knew his name. But he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't even know who heals him. The story continues. Jesus says to him, a second strange thing, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. There's no preface to that. There's no, I'm Jesus. Uh, Jesus doesn't lecture him on superstition, uh, because a lot of folks think that this was a superstition, that an angel came down and stirred the water. It could have just been a uh, uh, due to some kind of artesian um, volcanic process that the water at from time to time bubbled up. But uh, Jesus doesn't lecture him about that. He doesn't doctor fill him. He, he doesn't say something like, you know, if you really wanted to do something, you would do it. If you really wanted to get well, you would figure out a way to get into that water. <laughs> he doesn't do anything like that. He just says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. How strange. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And what does Jesus do? Does he hang around and say, hey, you know, welcome to the kingdom. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here uh, representing uh, the Father. I, I want to help you know a new way of living. I want you to join the disciples and my band. He doesn't do anything like that. He slips away into the crowd, verse 13. Now, this breaks the Sabbath law. Not the fact that Jesus healed him, which the Pharisees probably didn't like and probably would misconstrue as being breaking the law, but the Jews were strangely silent about the healing. And they're preoccupied with the fact that this guy's carrying his mat on the Sabbath day. And this is a law, if you break it, was punishable by death. So this was a serious thing that they were accusing the man of. Now, the man, he neither praises God nor does he respond by faith. He doesn't even know who this man was who healed him. And he blames the broken law on the man who made me whole. Well, this guy told me to do it, and I did it. Now, the third strange thing that Jesus says, he, he says it to him a little later when he runs into the man. He says to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Say what? That, that is a strange thing for Jesus to say. There's no preamble to that. He just says it. 
Now, we know that Jesus did not teach that sickness was a result of personal sin. John 9, verse 1 to 3 tells us that. When the disciples asked Jesus if, if a, a person who was ill was ill because of his sin or his parents' sin, and, and Jesus said, no, that's not the case at all. So we know that Jesus is not teaching that his sickness was a result of his sin. Did the healing also imply forgiveness, wholeness, not only physically, but spiritually and mentally? Did this, did this healing actually result in a kind of revolution, a kind of transformation in the man's life? I think it did. I think this is what Jesus is referring to. When he makes the man whole, he not only delivers him from his sickness, but he, he helps him psychologically. He helps him spiritually. He helps him internally as well as externally. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This is a thought-provoking comment. Who can stop sinning? Who can stop sinning? 1 John 1.8 says that if we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. We're a liar. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can you stop sinning? Stop falling short. Only Jesus was sinless. Only Jesus was able to live a sinless life. Even those who commit their lives fully to Jesus still continue to, from time to time, mess up. And what did Jesus mean when he said something worse might happen to you? What could be worse than 38 years as a paralytic? What could be worse than 38 years waiting to get down into a pond so that you could get some measure of healing? Well, we know that Jesus himself was both the cure for the physical and the spiritual problem of the man. You see, the man was in grave danger if he continued to go on in his life without realizing, understanding, or knowing Jesus. The man was in danger, the gravest danger of all. The ultimate problem is not the physical sickness that he had. The ultimate problem is his alienation from God, his separation from God. And the ultimate disaster is when people are separated from, from God for eternity. The Bible talks about that as hell and describes it in all kinds of frightening ways. So why does Jesus include this sign? Why this sign? Why these strange sayings at this strange location? Well, I think first of all, it's a warning sign. There is something worse than being ill. There is a spiritual sickness that unless that's cured, we're in danger of eternal separation from God. And I do think it's a detour sign. There is a new way to go. There is a new place to be. It's in the kingdom of God. It's, it's following Jesus. And I think it's also a welcome sign. There is a new place to belong. You don't have to hang out forever at the pool of Bethesda with all the sick people. You can be part of the kingdom of God. And here Jesus is talking to this man, leaving him with lots of questions. In order for this man to truly understand and come fully to grips with what Jesus was all about. He had to learn to pursue Jesus. He had to learn to follow Jesus to have his questions answered.
physical and spiritual wholeness, of course, only come from Jesus. And Jesus comes to us and he welcomes us. He warns us. He bids us to follow him. Jesus never came across as a recruiter. Did you notice that in the story? Uh, he, he, he doesn't come across as someone who's trying to uh, lasso this guy and drag him into the kingdom. He, he never does that in any of the gospel stories. He comes across rather as a friend, as a friend of sinners, as a friend of paralytics, as a friend of tax collectors, as a friend of prostitutes. You see, people resist recruitment. I think, uh, particularly in the age in which we live, everybody's trying to recruit us for something. <laughs> Advertising is a big deal today. People are constantly trying to get us on board with a new idea or a new program or a new plan or, or something that new that we need to buy. And, and I think that we've learned to resist recruitment. And, and we see the recruiter coming and we go, no, no, no. Even if you have something good to sell, I don't want to listen to the pitch. I don't want to hear it because I've heard so many. But people warm to friendship. People warm to Jesus, even though he didn't overtly try to recruit them. He became their friend. And they wanted to know more about him and his kind of friendship and his kind of love. You see, friendship attracts people to Jesus. And one of the best ways that we represent the kingdom of God well is when we become good friends with people. Because when people find out that we are truly good friends, they want to know why. And they want to hang out with us and other friends that we know. And in this way, we get to introduce them to the best friend of all, Jesus. So let's keep this in mind as we endeavor to represent Jesus well. As we, as we think about this story, this strange story of Jesus healing a paralytic man at a, at a, at a pool in Jerusalem where, where he just kind of walks on the scene and, and asks a couple of strange questions and commands the guy to get up and walk and, and then tells him that he'd better stop sinning and, and leaves him, I'm sure, in wonderment of what's that all about? And hopefully this man then began to follow Jesus and became a disciple of Jesus. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for uh, this wonderful sign, this advertisement of who Jesus is, this, this unique view into uh, the character of Jesus and uh, his reason for coming into the world. We thank you, Lord, that you can indeed work and speak into our lives and you come alongside us and befriend us. Help us to follow you. Help us to follow you faithfully. And Lord, help us to befriend others to act like Jesus instead of trying to recruit them and, and, and getting that kind of resistance that, off, that people often demonstrate when they feel that they're being recruited. Help us just to befriend people. Help us to befriend our neighbors. Help us to befriend our folks at work that we hang out with. Help us to befriend the people at Starbucks and the people at the stores that we visit. Help us to be friendly and attract friends and then enable us to lead people to the greatest friend of all, Jesus, who not only heals physically, but heals spiritually and enables us to be part of the kingdom of God and enjoy eternity with Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for our grace in our lives. We thank you for this wonderful story. In your name we pray, amen.
Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca slash give. See you later.